Hello and welcome to The Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and transforms them into ironclad brain performers. I'm your host, Dr. David Hardy, and today we have an absolute iconic figure in the leadership and personal development field, recovered businessman, Terry Tillman. How are you doing today? I'm good. Yeah. It's a sunny day here where I am in Los Angeles, and I got a little bit of sunshine inside as well, so good start. Now, I've been going through so many different things. Like if I Google your name, uh, posts from the, the Huffington Post come up, all sorts of different articles have been written about yourself. Uh, like just looking through your your history there, like Wikipedia doesn't even have the server space to, to, to do a good job about everything you've done here. Like you were a, a high school quarterback and star back in the day there. Uh, you, you graduated from Stanford with economics and financing. Uh, you're a self-proclaimed type A workaholic entrepreneur who worked for about 15 years growing six businesses in diverse different fields like construction, real estate, brokerage, up into broadcasting and network TV. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you closed your businesses and went into the personal development and leadership field. What kind of sparked that? And, and what was your journey along this way? Yeah, um, I look back on it. It's some. It often looks like another person, but <laughs> I, I was um, I was a good boy, <laughs> and I I you know I did well in school. I you know was an athlete of sorts, not a great one, but better than average. And I did I did what I thought I was supposed to do. Uh, my okay. grandfather, my father were businessmen. I got out of college. I started a business, and then another one, another one. And you know, I'm sure in the external, it looked like I was successful, but in, inside, I was bankrupt. I, I was, um, and, and, you know, I, I really was a type A entrepreneur, workaholic. I mean, I was smoking two packs of cigarettes. I, I was an insomniac. I would, you know, breakfast was at coffee and donuts. And I mean, I was eating horrible food. I had stopped exercise and, and um, but I was, doing what I should do. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was living my life according to what I thought other people expected of me. Right. And uh, I knew something was off. I just wasn't feeling as good, I, you know. And um, I had uh, a, a guy that called on me in my business every week. He was a display advertising manager for a local newspaper. My business was in the Northwest, Oregon, Idaho, and Washington. Okay. Headquartered in, in Eugene, Oregon. And this guy would call me every week. We'd organize my ads, my display ads, my advertising campaigns. It was all business. And one day he came in just bouncing off the wall. You know, Terry, you got to do this. I just took a seminar. You got Charlie, sit down. We got work to do. <laughs> and Charlie did this for, I'm, I'm going to say nine months, could have been six months, just persisting. Finally, he brought in a, a, the president of this training company who offered me a scholarship to their training. And this is back in the 70s. And, um, you know, I'm 79. Wow. I have a, I have a six-year-old son. No so, way. So that's, that's, uh, you know, by way of 
illustrating the perspective I have, and I'm not normal. I mean, I, <laughs> I know that. And yet I tried to fit into normal. Okay. And, and I did normal well, uh, you know, up until like age 36 or something. Sounds like you were doing really well with, with a normal, but it was just eating you up inside. Exactly. Yep. And um, normal is not necessarily healthy. No. If you're a doctor, no. you know, they told me when I was six of my clients are, are doctors, holistic doctors. Um, there's a medical school that's one of my clients. So I'm, I'm pretty well versed in, in what I call AMA medicine, traditional medicine. Right. Uh, but also better versed in, in what's out on the fringe or the tail of the bell curve, <laughs> far from average, like, cause yes. that's where the creative stuff and the real healing happens. Uh, it's what I found out. So, um, and, and how, how did you find that out for yourself then? Uh, because like, if you look back in different time, uh, decades with popularity, uh, basically traditional medicine almost had like a monopoly back in the day with, with health and uh well, it still kind of does but it's changing fortunately yes yeah well i i had um i was my wife at the time we're separate separated now divorced different you know but a woman i was with for 30 years was way into health and i in fact i don't know anybody who's more knowledgeable in health than she was she was just fanatical about it constantly reading meeting practitioners she knew the best of whoever was in whatever field Right. Okay. And, um, so just being around her, I absorbed, you know, osmosis, got a lot and got very interested in, in health. I changed my whole diet, you know, nutritional, I began running again, getting exercises, meditating, did things to get healthy. Um, and then back there, when I closed my businesses, I, I took this seminar that the stories merge here. Absolutely. <laughs> answer your question. I'll get to it. Um, but I, I took a seminar. It was called LifeSpring, and uh, you've probably heard of Landmark Forum. Okay, Many yeah. people have today. Well, that was originally called Est, and and at the time in the '70s there was LifeSpring and Est. They were the first two large group ex, ex seminar companies that, you know, back back then they were you know it was front page news. It was magazine cover stories. It was something really happening. Um, and I took one of these seminars. I never experienced anything like it. And that led to closing my business and going off into this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now, I do that work with businesses. Yes. Yeah. Learning. Uh, but anyway, it, it was a complete about face into a world I knew nothing about, but I could do it. It was just natural for me. So you know, I, I went from square peg in a round hole to round peg in a round hole. I mean, I fit. And I've been doing some form of that ever since all around the world. So how did, you know, how did the, the healing happen? Well, as I was transitioning, it wasn't like I, I did close my businesses pretty quickly, like in months and went into the seminar in the consulting world. Um, but I had a lot of ongoing business and property and it took me 10 years to you know, close it, get rid of all of it. So I, while I was doing both, it was pretty tense and you know, stress would be the word today. Right. And I started running for not just physical health, but mental, emotional health as well. And found out I loved that. So I started running marathons and it was where I'd get my sanity. Well, I, I, I was doing that, but I was also winding down a couple construction projects. One of the companies was construction. Okay. And, and um, I was building a couple properties in Sun Valley, Ketchum, Idaho. 
uh, resort area. And, and this was the early 80s and uh, it was a horrible time. The prime rate got up to 21%. My construction loans were a percent above prime. Uh, properties that I was finishing up and wanting to sell wouldn't sell, nothing sold for three years. I mean, it was, anybody who went through that period would tell you how difficult it was. And uh, so I didn't realize how stressed I was because I was now in this seminar world I absolutely loved. I was learning and traveling and you know, life was good, but I also had this very stressful part. And yes. somewhere in the two of them, uh, what happened was um, I, I, I was at my house in, in Idaho you know, trying to find some way to sell it. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. It was like you know, rubber bands just snapped in my low back. No, no had lumbar and and um, I couldn't move. The phone was like four feet away, and I couldn't get to the phone. And I was all by myself, and it was as much pain as I ever ever endured. Um, I couldn't I couldn't move. You know, I'm, my lower body, my upper body, I could move. And wow. uh, a chiropractor, I woke a chiropractor friend up, and he carried. You know, he he what he knew how to do didn't change anything. I didn't know what was going on. Um, couldn't feel anything, couldn't move my legs. And um, he eventually carried me to a plane and got me back to Los Angeles. And, but I spent the next year, uh, so first I went to an orthopedic surgeon, two different orthopedic surgeons, both of whom told me I'd never walk again. One, wow. They said they diagnosed I had a severed sciatic nerve. They said sciatic nerves, uh, nerves don't regenerate. And my only thought was, well, then you can't help me. <laughs> and I don't know where it came from, but somewhere inside of me, it's like, well, that's not true. You know, I can fix this. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And um, then I went to, you know, get a second opinion. He said the same thing. And he said, the second surgeon said, uh, you know, you need to have surgery right away before this gets even worse. <laughs> and I'm thinking, how much worse can it get? You know, uh, but same thing that, well, I'm going to find someone who knows what to do about this. And so I spent literally the whole next year, I dropped everything else, spent the whole next year healing myself. And anybody who had any idea, I would explore, you know, whether it was reading a book, uh, you know, a practitioner. So I had a, a lot of good help from chiropractors. And okay. The main one is now my, my, whenever I have anything wrong, I go to him. In fact, I just saw him last week. Uh, but I did everything. I did, you know, rolfing and acupuncture and juice therapy and, and uh, yoga and, I mean, Korean doctors and huh. rolfing and, I mean, yeah. Like, this is, this is definitely not a small injury here where, yeah, kind of the, the normal rest and then kind of rehab approaches would, would kind of be the, the prescribed things for this. This is, yeah. This is yeah. pretty severe. What, what sort of, was it the combination of everything you were well, doing? I, when I asked, kind of I asked one of them, I said, what caused this? Because what, what I, I was, I, 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 part of it's unconsciously competent, you know, like some things I just knew. I can't tell you what, why I know it. I mean, I can. It's past life <laughs> if you go into that. But it's innate. Everybody's got innate wisdom. Yes. Otherwise, how did Mozart write all that beautiful stuff at six? Oh, exactly. And there's plenty of examples of we come in with different levels. And where does that come from? You know, you got to go into past life experience to make any sense out of it. Karma and other areas that they didn't teach me in school. Stanford didn't teach me this stuff. 
No, it but wouldn't. Some somewhere in me, I knew that, and I and I but not that conscious, but enough to move in a in a direction that wasn't orthodox. <laughs> yeah. And um, and and so you know, the, one of the doctors, the surgeon said, "I said, what caused this?" Because what I knew is that in medical school, what they learn is diagnosing symptoms and treating it with. The, so they manage symptoms. Yes. It never made sense to me. It's like, what's causing this? Let's deal with the cause. The symptom won't be there. Right. And so that's the direction I went, uh, knowing about that much. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and sure enough, that's what worked, you know, in the long run. But it took me a, a lot of focus and discipline. One of the things that worked the best is something I teach. I learned back in the 70s. It's how to direct energy. Um, you know, it, the principle is energy follows thought, manifestation follows energy. So our focus, it's not just thinking brain, our brain isn't just in here. It's the, right. It's, exactly. It's, we got a brain and a gut. We got it. You know, it's everywhere. It's out there. It's yeah. It's an entire nervous system. And, uh, but it's beyond the body as well. And we can access that. And as I started learning that and, and playing with it, healing started happening. Absolutely. And, um, and now yeah, you said something people. very profound there that, that the nervous system is outside the body too. And, uh, this is one of the things I, I've kind of, kind of put the, like today's kind of language with research with kind of these ancient or, or, uh, techniques of healing is that basically a recept, everything starts at a receptor, whether it's sight, sound, touch, taste, mechanical energy, all of that's a receptor. And all of that starts from outside of the body before it's even registered within our own body. So you have all these frequencies of energy constantly hitting the nervous system and each cell. And then of course, basically we're just a vessel of capturing all this energy coming from the outside world. And the biggest part of it is the nervous system. And you can even dive into like different brainwave activities in different parts of the brain. And basically, if you trace it back where it's first registered in the nervous system, it's going to be the same frequency as the outside world where it was first processed in that receptor nerve spinal cord up into the brain. Mm -hmm. So it isn't this unexplainable esoteric side of things and no a lot of people get get confused by that and uh, well it was our education system our schooling and why wouldn't we buy into it it's the adults teaching us and you know we're a tabula rasa we absorb it and proceed as though all of that's true well some of it is and some of it isn't <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> like in a simple way I, I you know in health class in junior high school they told us that the, the normal heart rate is 72 beats a minute well right. that normal means average but average isn't necessarily healthy no definitely you know, not. And, and when i when i was running marathons my resting heart rate was 42 beats a minute wow and, and when and the first doctor you know when i was having this problem the guy was checking the you know the vital signs yeah <laughs> pressure and pulse and all that what they normally check and he got really concerned oh my God, you know, your blood pressure's too low, your heart rate's too, we, we got a problem, we got to call in a heart expert. My response was, oh, good, then my heart's healthy. My <laughs> blood pressure's lower because there's not as much resistance. My system's working. That was my thought. Right. You know? Well, it was true. 
<laughs> so then, then I started looking at, well, how many other beliefs do I have that aren't necessarily true? Thousands of them. Right. Now, and some of those beliefs served me and some didn't. You know, some of them, even if they were true or not, it, it you know, kind of formed my life so I could function here. Right. But there's other stuff that was very limiting. And so one of them was like in this health area when I was paralyzed. Um, I didn't have the belief that nerves don't regenerate. Well, that doctor had it. For him, that was true. For me, it wasn't. And I am a demonstration that that's not true. And not only that, I've met, I don't know, I was going to say hundreds, but probably 20 people who have had nerve, uh, nerves regenerate one way or another. Right. So, and, and you know, and, and, and science I took that was like, uh, you know, that's just anecdotal. Uh, it's not scientific. It's not the science. And I don't care if one person can do it. Anybody can do it. It's possible. Right. So and I always me, get those, those reports. It's anecdotal. It, it's yeah. yeah. Yet no one's, ex no one's investigating those. Like, like the placebo. Exactly. Well, don't, didn't some of them ask, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I think it's just magic or that's enough to put a label on it. Right. You know, I, 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 I asked, I said, well, God, that in, doesn't that indicate that we've got some authority over the physical manifestation, you know? Definitely. And yes, we do. Yeah. And the, the other main thing, thing I healed myself with was a technique I learned back in the beginning of these seminars. And, and it's a, you, you were, you were referring, you were going this direction, sort of, I think, but yeah, it's going into an alpha state exactly. or lower, but slowing the brain waves down slowing the energetic level down and directing it. We can focus it. We can focus where it goes. And I've used this. To, I used to wear glasses. I don't. This arm had burn scars all over. You can't see it. But now there's a few little white tots. I, you know, I, it looks normal. Um, so I've, I've demonstrated. And then I've worked with other people. I'm working with a guy who had a stroke right now. Um, and I'm convinced we'll get his motion back. Yes. Um, you know, that it's absolutely possible. But one of the keys is that when I, when I, I, this isn't my main thing. It's just people say, how did you do that? And I said, well, I don't know. Let's see. Maybe we can, you know, I figured out a method. I figured, okay, this is what worked for me. Right. Um, but the first, the first, the way I start, I, 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 sites, I've seen, I'm going to say it's easy to correct your eyesight. Well, it's not easy, easy, but it can be done. It's not, ma it's not magic. If, if the people will do the work, it, it happens frequently where right. we heal our vision. But and anyway, I when I do any right of that, I, there, I, I just want to pause you on that note too, yeah. because another big profound thing about rehab and the nervous system is that there's only three ways to change it. And that's the frequency, intensity, duration of the therapies that go into it. And mm -hmm. a lot of people quit because the frequency, the amount of times we actually do these tasks are way too little to actually get any results. And like we go back into, into your progress there about how it took, what was it? Two years you said for, for things to year, you know. heal yeah. up for you. But during that time, how, how much thought power and how much of these, these, uh, kind of energetic techniques where were you doing per day? Yeah, I pretty much dropped everything else. I mean, that became the focus of my life. But there's a technique and I teach it. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a method to get into an alpha state or lower. 
Right. And once in that state, we use the, the creative imagination, but it's a way to direct energy. And what I found out is, and, and it's visualization. So, you know, like, like I can show you, I mean, anybody can do it, but it, like my L4, L5, my, the disc between my, in the L4, L5 area of my lower back, it, it compressed the disc, the disc bulged out, rubbed the nerve and it severed, rubbed against the nerve and severed it. Wow. So I had, I had um, my chiropractor show me a skeleton in his office, show me how, what's wrong with mine. So mm -hmm. I had a visual of it and then, and, you know, and put it back, show me the way it's supposed to be when it's healthy. So I had both images. So using this technique, which we can teach, you know, I use it a lot, not just for healing physically, but use it for manifesting anything. But using the technique, I would just go inside and switch from the unhealthy to the healthy, just, just like that. And, and using something called submodalities, you know, like, like from close to far, from color to black and white, from big to small, to, you know, as many of those as you can do, just like this. Well, what I found out, and I could feel a difference in my body when I started doing it. My feelings started to come back. Okay. And what I found is that, and I think this is what you were saying, it wasn't how long I did it, it was the frequency. Like, like if I did um, two minutes of this 10 times, that seemed to be more impactful than 20 minutes at once. Right. And, and so I just did this, not a lot, maybe three times a day. Um, and I don't know how long, how many weeks, maybe two months, I don't remember, but a, a lot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And pretty soon I started to get a little feeling and a little motion back. And, and I was doing many other things too. Yes. But I'm convinced that was the, you know, Bruce Lipton, do you know his work? Yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. So it's, he has now the science behind what metaphysically I discovered. <laughs> and I can't say, I, I, I mean, I discovered it for myself. There's other people who were doing this and teaching it, but I didn't know that. Right. Um, now, now, the opposite to basically this placebo, or you using your your mind to, and to kind of help help with the healing process there, is the nocebo effect, which yeah. gets very little attention. But basically, how our thoughts can make us sick. And when we say it that way, our thoughts can make us sick. Well, we actually do know that, and that that's true. And everybody's kind of experienced it when you're in this funk or depression, and and uh, and then you pick up more and more bad habits along the way too. Um, how do you approach this in some of your, your leadership training and to, to get people I, to, yeah. to no, make that switch? It's so important. I mean, I started in this in the 70s. And I'd have people shake their fist at me in the audience at some of the things I would say. You know? <laughs> but now it's accepted. Yes. More and more. At least it's out there in the, you know, it's, it's available to people. You know, something like mindfulness. I mean, I was teaching uh, meditation to business people 40 years ago. But if I called it meditation, they would have thrown me out the door. Right. You know? So I called it a stress reduction technique. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they, they wanted and needed that. So, but what was your question? How did I... Um... Like in, in your seminars and work now, how do you get people to make that shift, basically, um, from that nocebo or... or habits and thoughts yeah. that, that will make you sick to basically the 
energetic work and the right well for one thing it's all energy it's all it's all energy you know and we can direct that energy so i think there's only 12 lessons to learn in life (laughs) okay and and you know and so i i love simplicity you know it was seymour craig who said tell it to me simple if it's not simple i don't understand well craig is the guy who invented the supercomputer so really complex but here you know steve jobs said uh uh simplicity is the new sophistication yes the people are really brilliant they're all saying it's got to be simplify it simple so 12 lessons to learn well there's i can list 200 but i can fit any one of those in one of those 12 so one of them that you know like what what i work with i work with certain principles but to me one of the most practical the the way i say it is where you look is where you go what I focus on is what creates what I call reality. Very literally. I mean, very literally. So, you know, you and I could be looking at the same thing and I'd say it's green and you'd say, yes, it's green. But is your perception of green the same as mine? <laughs> it won't be, no. Yeah, <laughs> or, or pick anything. Or, you know, when I, the best work I did, my, my work got categorized as leadership trainings. And when I first started doing an, an experiential learning, it's not just, you know, in school, it was read this book or listen to this professor. Yes. First of all, I didn't enjoy it. No. I didn't endure. You know, I'd pass the test, I'd get a grade. And if I didn't use the information, it would disappear. I'd forget it. Or, but the things, you know, like in athletics, like playing on a team, what I learned through experience endured. It stayed with me. I had a, I had a powerful reference. So that's what that's what I do, experiential learning. Exactly. So when yeah. I was like, where you look is where you go. And that's how I say it. But you know, your focus determines your reality. And isn't just visual looking, it's how you direct your energy. Right. And when you're visualizing, you're not just getting that visual perspective. You're trying to feel it as well, correct? Yes. Hear so, it. All the senses. See, hear, feel, taste, touch, smell, all of those. When I'm doing it. this, like when I'm doing this. I mean, that's, it's all of those. I'm putting every sense I can into it. So, so just on the audio version there, uh, what you're doing is you're basically making a visual with your hands here, moving, extending and moving back and forth between one arm to the other for, for the listeners out there that that can't see. I'm I'm switching scenes. I'm moving from the disease to the healthy in my imagination. Right. You know, I'm switching them. I'm replacing the one image with the other one. And that directs the energy. And we, so I was looking for a way, how do I demonstrate this? And so I, I came up with several uh, exercises, physical things people do. But one of the first things I did, Tony Robbins did his first firewalks in my leadership training. Okay. And, and um, in fact, the very first leadership, I designed this 90 day thing. And, and I was like a week out from doing the first one. 55 yes. people. I limited it to 55 people. And this young, enthusiastic guy came into my office and I can show people how to walk on fire. <laughs> and I thought, you know what? I'm going to try it. Because if that's true, this will really demonstrate this principle that, you know, that you can direct the energy where you, you, you create your own reality. Because, you know, 2000 degree coals melt steel, uh, skin burns. And if yes. you can walk across that and not burn, then well there's some beliefs that aren't true right 
<laughs> so so we did it and I, I said I'll be the first one in the group if I burn nobody else is doing it and um, and I was scared you know I thought what the heck am I doing <laughs> I'm <I> crazy <laughs> you know, this, this is could be the dumbest thing I've ever done you know <laughs> but there's a process to get in a certain state and using focus uh, Lipton calls it perception you create a perception but I, it beliefs it's all of that it's direct it's directing the energy and so I did, you know, the process. I got myself in a certain state. I walked across the fire and I didn't burn. You know, and it was, I don't know how far we were walking, but it was a good 10 steps. Now, when you mentioned this state, was it like this over aroused state? Like you, you'd be it's, pumped up like for a football game or was it this? Yeah, it, there's that, but it isn't only that. Okay. Um, you know, what Tony did originally, I don't know if he's still doing it, but you create, it's, it's using all the senses. And you, you primarily get you know, visual auditory kinesthetic and NLP, they, they VAC, the visual auditory kinesthetic is John Grinder, who was a founder of NLP is a guy I got acquainted with and okay. learned from, and um, you know, he was brilliant. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it's raising your vibrational level. This is a simple way to say it. Yes. So the visual frequency is is higher than uh, kinesthetic Definitely. by some measurements and and so it's it's putting yourself in a higher frequency and visualizing like one of the things we and then auditorily we'd be saying cool moss cool moss so you're imagining this soft damp green cool thing while you're looking up which is how you access visual usually up and into the future, you know, yes. and there's just, it's part of, it's what Brinder taught, learned, okay. he figured out, which became NLP. He, he once said to me, he said, I created a monster. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, these guys have picked up my work, aren't doing what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, you know, I'm glad that I learned from him, not some of the ones. Now, I don't know what people are doing with it now. I don't know if they've improved on it or not. I just know that it's a pretty powerful technology if it's used well. Definitely. Yeah. That is absolutely fascinating stuff. That uh, It was amazing, yeah. you know, when, and I don't know what it is in me that would do that sort of thing. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I, you know, I could go on about things I've done that I just did. And then I look back and think, well, I'm really glad I did that. But knowing what I know now, I'm not sure I would do it again. <laughs> Right. And like this kind of goes into that whole journey process that uh, like we look at your story there, how you were running all these top notch businesses and doing extremely well. And uh, a no normal person looking in would say things are things are rocking in your world. And uh, yeah, you didn't feel it. So there's definitely that disconnect between knowing and feeling. And then there's also this, this part of the journey where, and kind of a leading question here is, do you think people need to go through these situations where basically there is that disconnect in how they feel kind of spiritually or with themselves versus what they're doing in order to kind of progress into a field or a calling that is going to drive them forward for the rest of their lives. Is mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't say they need to, because everybody's a little different. 
Um, but the, the majority of the people do because they're off course when they start. One yeah. of the key things I do in my work and started right in the beginning. And it's because, you know, I was trying to fix myself it's like, like, <laughs> as a little kid. I remember wondering, what's this all about? You know, who am I? And why am I here? It's got to be more and brush my teeth and pass the test and pay a bill and, you know, get dressed and wash my clothes. It's got to be more than that. You know, <laughs> you certainly and, hope so. Right. <laughs> well, but, you know, so that was always in me. And, and then in the process of looking for the answer and I found my answers, trial and error, a lot of error being, you know, off course for those 15 years, but that was very informative and I learned a lot from it. Well, in the process, what I got to is that my life has a purpose. And if I, I got to find out what that is. And when I find it out, then I'll make my choices on purpose. And once I discovered my purpose and stayed in alignment with that, things just started working really well. And so I'm, you know, so then I started showing, I thought, well, okay, here's how I found what my purpose is. Does everyone have a purpose? Well, I would say, yes, they do. Every human right. has a purpose. And, and it's important to know what that is. Otherwise you're off purpose. You know, and I was off purpose for 15 years. Once I got on purpose, it all started working well. So one of the now, first things say, I did- say you found your purpose. Yeah. What was that? How would you describe it? Well, I, I, I do this in my trains. There's a number of ways to do it. I, the way it happened with me is it really was a, a burning bush. I mean, it was, you know, <laughs> Paul on the road to Damascus or whatever that is, you know. Um, too long a story, but I was, I was, there's a place in near Sedona, Arizona called the Chapel of the Holy Cross. Okay. And it's this amazing, if you've ever been to Sedona, it's this amazing structure that looks like it, it morphs right out of the, these red rock spires. I mean, it looks or, almost organic. And uh, first time I saw it was in 1972. Back then, it, it had to take a dirt road to get to it. And, and um, I was fascinated by it. I detoured off to go see it by myself. And this is a story. It's the main story in a book I'm just finishing up called The Call. You, you mentioned something about The Call. Yes. So, and so I've interviewed 74 people living life's a purpose, meaning contribution and focus on, did you receive a call? Tell me the story basically. Okay. And, the, and these are all people who have made some kind of significant contribution. Maybe and some of them are known, you know, internationally, some just in their field. Uh, but all of them were on purpose. All of them had a call of sorts. And so the stories of how they became aware of that is fascinating to me. Some just came in with it. They always knew it. Others uh, like me get we were way off course for a while, you know, <laughs> but it's important to know it. It's important. And so, and the answer is inside. And most of us were taught to look outside, read this book, listen to the professor, pay attention to your parents, uh, you know, follow the coach's instructions. It was all outside. We weren't taught to go inside. And, and that's where the, that's where you find the best answers. And, and, and what I found is when I go in, I'm really going out. I'm getting, that's how I get access to everything. Like all the information is available if I'm available to it. All the answers, all of them. But to find that out there, I'm pointing out there in the, in the universe, the atmosphere, the, whatever it goes to the infinite, whatever you want to call it. But to access, I got to go inside. So it's now, like, when, oh, when you go inside, you're basically changing your state at the same time, right? And yes. you've feel more of that kind of body energy while you do it versus yeah, yeah once again just kind of a, 
the nervous system concentrating on the external factors around mm -hmm. us. And it starts that, with awareness. A lot of practice now, doesn't it, too? Yeah. No, I've been meditating for 42 years now regularly. Um, but when I first started, I thought, what a waste of time. I got work to do. <laughs> it's like, you know, how inefficient could that be? I got up to two hours a day for probably 15 years. Wow. And, and you know, when I started, I would say, boy, I don't have time for that. But looking back, I'd say it's, I would say it's the most valuable thing I've done. Definitely. That opened up, uh, you know, it opened up so much. It's how I heal myself, basically. And like on that point, too, like you healed yourself from this this horrible event. But not only that, like if we look longevity wise, as you said, you're 79 years old and have a six year old child, mm -hmm. which is absolutely amazing. And you you look around at how many couples are having infertility issues or how many people even in their 40s 50s 60s are taking pills to and to get aroused and and to even be able to do that physical act and yet you were able to to have a child through all this and yeah, yeah and, amazing a blessing i mean i wasn't planned i wouldn't say let's have a child uh but it's been you know i'm I'm completely in love. It's been, he's wonderful. You know, it's like, it, I don't think of my, my 79 as an age. I think of it as a stage. Yes. And, and it's always been that way for me. It's, um, and I think a lot of that, like is a result of the meditating, you know, the way I learned, we call it spiritual exercise. Like you exercise your body. Why not exercise your spirit? Yeah, definitely. But the answer is, you know, when I go inside, it gives me access to everything outside. And, you know, and there's, there's some technique and methods and stuff to learn to do that. Um, and, this, and then just doing it. The, the, the teacher I learned from uh, would say there's no wrong way to do a spiritual exercise. The only, he'd say the only wrong way to do it is not to do it. Correct. So it yeah. isn't like you've got to sit in a certain posture and make a, only this sound. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so it, but it worked for me. And, and many, he's got students all over the world, you know, so, um, but it, it, I would, in the beginning, I would, you know, like transcendental meditation, some of the meditation techniques, they would say, quiet your mind. I could mm -hmm. never do that. I never, I can't say once I've ever really done that. But what I have done is gone past that. I can go above the thoughts. I can go beyond them. And, oh, uh, that's I, I can observe them. And, I'm, and then I realized I'm not responsible for what comes in here because there's all kinds of crap that comes in there from God knows <laughs> where. <laughs> but I don't have to do anything with it. And that was so freeing to me when I realized, well, wait, I'm the one who decides if I think about it or worry about it or do anything with it. I don't have to do anything. I can just notice it. You know, what would happen if I just notice it? Well, not much. It eventually goes away and something else happens. You know? <laughs> And then, you know, more than that, I can, I can direct what I focus on or think about it, however you do it, you know, it's visual, auditory, kinesthetic, thinking, people describe it different ways, it's all of that. Um, you know, yeah. and, so, and, and then that, that has power. Like, like the fact that we can direct the energy, I mean, that's amazing. So how are you directing the energy in your life right now? Like walk us through basically from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. What does the days look for like for yourself? Yeah. 
different from what it used to be. I, I'm not going to say do what I do. It, for me, it was it's been an evolution, and I hope it keeps evolving. Uh, Twenty years ago, typically, I'd get up. The first thing I'd do is my my meditation, and I two hours, and I had a certain chair and a ritual. I'd light a candle. I do what we call calling in the light. I direct my focus. I dump my mind. I'd write anything that I'm thinking about on paper so I can come back to it later. I had a ritual. Uh, then I'd get up and then I'd go run, you know, and go outdoors and I'd go run. And, and you know, I don't run as much now, but I run regularly. Okay. Once a week, I'll go run an hour and a half. Uh, at least three times a week, I'll run at least 30 minutes. Okay. Um, and it's not just physical, it's mental, emotional spiritual it's, it, you know it's 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 a big part of my health definitely you know holistic health <laughs> yes yeah i eat very particularly uh i'd say 98 percent of what i eat is organic um i'm i'm a vegan right now but i've changed i've worked with you know you've probably heard of the blood type diet yes uh, yeah. joe there's a it was a best-selling diet book but written by the son of the developer of that approach. So okay. the father doesn't agree with the son. And I, I worked with the father for a while. And he, he, I'm, a, I'm typo, and he said I should eat flesh every meal. Well, I don't like meat. I never have. But I tried his thing for a couple of years. Just, you know, I would experiment. Like, say, what works for me? And, the, the, you know, eating some meat worked in certain ways, but I didn't like it. It just... <laughs> my body started changing and my energy was good, but my consciousness never lined up with it. But, okay. but inside experiment. Well, where I've gotten to now, and this is stuff I wouldn't have talked about years ago. I thought I was too concerned about how I'd be judged or this is too weird or whatever, but I don't care now. It's like, <laughs> um, and I wish someone would have said this stuff to me sooner, whether I'd pay attention or not. I don't know. But today, what, one of my main focuses is to live what I call a spirit-directed life. And so you know, what does that mean? Well, it means that I don't, I don't do a lot of planning anymore uh, or strategizing. I, I, I know how to do it. I've yes. done years of it. <laughs> I, you know, all, one of the most enduring teaching is, is be here now, be present, be in the present. Everything you want is in the present moment. You know, today Eckhart Tolle's get a lot of attention for that. Uh, Deepak Chopra teaches that. Um, you know, Buddha, Zoroaster, Jesus—they all taught this. <laughs> well, yes. if that's true, then okay, how do I do it? So my my process these days, I'd say going back, I don't know how many years, ten years or something, it's been how do I do this? How do I do it? So that means I could get up and change and it could change what I thought I was going to do could change. In a, in a, and so, and I play with it. I experiment. Like, like when COVID hit, um, I was traveling 250,000 air miles a year doing my work. Oh, wow. Mostly companies and organ groups of people, leadership trainings. And, and um, I was out of the U S more than in it. And, Working through translators. A hundred and one different countries. I was in my hundred and first country about a month ago, <laughs> El Salvador. <laughs> okay. But when COVID hit, all that stopped. I mean, my work stopped. Travel, I didn't travel, I went on an airplane for two years. And um, it's a whole nother conversation, but this whole COVID thing, I know a lot about it. Yeah. Uh, 
I've gone way in the rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it, it, so my, I, 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 the only way I could work was on the screen. Well, that's to me very limited. My, my work is experiential live with people. I know what to do. Give me a group of people and I, I know how to create what they want. But I don't create it. I, you know, I facilitate it. Facilitate it. Um, so, but anyway, so I, you know, I, I got tired of this COVID thing. My, I moved my family up to Idaho from Ojai, California, because of my son. It wasn't okay. okay with me to have him being masked, distancing, quarantined, vaccinated. It wasn't okay with me. That's no way to raise a child. And mm -hmm. the first seven years of a child's life, you, you can't, it's, it's, it's so formative and you can't undo. I mean, it's, you can, I know a lot about psychology, but it's really difficult to, to change those first seven years. And that's such an important part of a, a human's life. Oh, exactly. That's a developing brain right there. That exactly. You probably know more about how it works. Well, I'm sure you do than I do. I just know, you know, from my experience. So we moved up to Idaho where he could be a kid again. <laughs> and, but my work, you know, I didn't know anybody up there. My tribe's not there. Almost all my work has been introductions and referrals. And so I've come back down here uh, to, you know, because I want to get back out there again. It's like, okay, I haven't worn a mask during this thing. I won't. Uh, when you know that I just, just yesterday, someone sent me, I, I could show you a chart, a British medical journal, very respected medical journal, one right, of the most yes. respected really. Mm -hmm. and, a, and a study in there, and they, they did a graphic chart showing a lot of things, but it was, um, one of the charts was showing the risk of uh, wearing a mask short-term versus long-term. The, well, there, the, there's the, definitely the, COVID, a the risk of COVID exposure or getting it. Uh, and yes. then the risk, and the risk of not wearing one short-term and long-term. And I looked through, most people would read the story and I, I looked at it and I said, you know what? The chart for, this, for the mask and no mask is exactly the same. <laughs> it's exact. It's a color-coded thing. It's exactly right. the same. It's identical. So, so the story this is kind, of, kind of also in lines with our placebo and nocebo uh, conversation earlier. Um, let's focus now on the actual act of breathing. Because when you do the meditation, do you have a breathwork practice as well? Yeah, that, that you that and breath work. I work with chakras, energy centers of the body. I work with colors. Okay. I, yeah. What What are some of the the breath work techniques that you do then? Oh, I played with so many. Oh yeah. Um, there, when I when um, when I learned the type of meditation I do, one of the first things we do is what we call calling in the light. So okay. I ask for the light to fill, surround, and protect me, and then I can add to it different with intentions or whatever. Uh, but the first time, you know, it was in this life spring training and, and they taught us this technique for going into the alpha state. And they began with that, surround yourself with white light. I never heard of such a thing, but I imagined it. And I felt this rush of energy go through my body. It was palpable. I thought, wow, how did I do that? Huh. You know, but that was the first awareness that I can direct. It's energy. I can direct it. I can have an influence over it. Um, and so, you know, I, I just play with it. And it's, uh, there's certain things that seem to work consistently, so I, I keep doing them. 
like when I do my meditation, the first thing I do is the light. I work with the light. Well, it's invisible to the eyes, but it's not invisible to the senses, the, the whole sense. Right, exactly. Yep. Um, and then just by visualizing it too, you're triggering all sorts of memories and consolidating what, what the brain and everything has already learned and adapted mm -hmm. to. And we which, can change it. You know, we can change memory. We can change yes. some of those memories and the associations with them unconsciously triggers behaviors we don't want. I in can fact, change every, that. In fact, every time we think of a memory, we're changing it somehow. Yeah. We're here's, basically here's something, you know, I, I have a, you know, like, like where you look is where you go. That's how I say it. But your focus determines your outcome or your reality. For some reason, it got in my head is where I look is where I go. Well, how do I demonstrate that? Well, I got a couple. Give me a, I can take people in a physical exercises uh, where I demonstrate this and they cannot believe. It's, it's a process where there's a, an outcome where you, you know whether you achieved it or not and they don't achieve the outcome and they can't figure out why not. And the why not is because of where their focus is and they don't know their focus there. It's unconscious. Well, it's so dramatic that this one thing, I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, home of the University of Oregon, and I've been a fan of their athletic department for years and, okay. and traveled with the teams and helped recruit for a while when I was younger. Well, I'm watching their football team. They got a new coach and I'm watching and they're good. You know, they're going to do well. And I'm seeing a mistake, a big mistake they're making. And they don't even know it. And it has to do with where they're directing the focus of their players. Right. And I'm trying, I don't know anybody there anymore. I'm trying to get in there so I can show them. It looks like a little thing. It's a huge thing. For example, uh, do you have any kids? No, I don't. Okay, well, every parent, Not yet, anyways. <laughs> not yet, well, but well, you were a kid. <laughs> every parent has experienced this. You know, I'm, we got only audio here. I'm holding up an object. Don't spill the milk. And it's spilled. It's spilled. <laughs> Why? Every parent's had this. Don't spill the milk. And somehow the milk spills. Is yes. it because the kid's uncoordinated or disobedient or rebellious or clumsy? No. It's because where you look is where you go. The parent, by saying don't spill the milk, has created an, an image of what? Spilling Spill the, the milk. milk. Where you look is where you go. So now that, I, I can, t this is the most practical thing I, I know in terms of, you know, what do you want in the world? It's, it's you know, I've, I could go on and on of how this works. That, you know, a, a large manufacturing company I worked with had serious safety problems in one of their plants. People were dying. And, and, they, and this isn't, I don't know safety work, wow. but I was doing leadership work and it took me into this manufacturing plant one time. It was in Brazil. Okay. And I saw immediately what the problem was. Immediately. And, and uh, you know, they said, can you help us with this? And I, I said, let's see. It took me to the factory. I mean, it's a big, beautiful campus, landscape, buildings. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a big, it's the world's 64th largest company. It was at the time. So it's a big business, international. Definitely. And you're on this beautiful campus. And the first sign, bigger than the sign at the entrance gate with the name of the company, was a big billboard that said um, X number of days without a death or, or accident oh, three God. days or something like that. And the, and the number, let's say it was 84, was on one of these things that they could hang the number there and change it because the number kept changing. <laughs> you know? 
uh, that's not the business you want to show up to where they, they well, come. So why would they have an accident? Where you look is where you go. Don't spill the milk. They're drawing attention to accidents or death. Yeah. So what do you need to do instead? Well, what do you want? Focus right. on what you want more of, not what you don't want. That's the principle. Simple. Nice. So I saw that. I taught them some simple techniques for focusing. I got, I worked with them as a group to define specifically what's the outcome they want, ideal end result, taught them how to, you know, and practice it and stuff. And guess what? <laughs> I mean, it's been, this was five years ago, but I, like a year later, I talked to them, no accidents. Oh. You know, simple. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there any other simple things or very practical that you'd like to leave everyone with uh, in the kind of last couple minutes that we have left here? Oh, there's so much. Yeah. yeah. I I'll tell you, though, I mean, it it's got to be simple, but it simple isn't always easy. Yeah. Most people won't do it. They won't self-initiate. They won't practice. They won't be persistent. And that's why, you know, people like you and I have some work to do because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, I don't like being identified with this, but coaching, it's a whole industry now. Yeah. I never identified myself. It wasn't called coaching when I start, started, but it's, but anyway, you need, even, even Michael Jordan had a coach, you know, exactly. no matter how good you are. Uh, most people need some external input and, and direction and encouragement information, whatever. So, you know, what, so anyway, to answer your question, um, the most important thing is love and loving. So if I did nothing, but hold an intention to be more loving, the rest begins to fall in place. Nice. You know, my life becomes good. Uh, results show up now the way I thought I wanted, not necessarily. You know, if I think I, I need a new 10,000 square foot house, it may not show up that way, like make enough money to buy the house or build or something, but I will have the experience of that house. You know, and this, this becomes very real, but it's, it's hard for people because we're so attracted, seduced, especially in the Western world, seduced into materialism, consumption, objects, uh, newer, bigger, faster, um, and that's never, you know, I've heard the same story over and over and over. I work with these senior executives, C-suite executives, making huge salaries, uh, you know, huge responsibilities. And I hear my story over and over again. You know, they're where I was. <laughs> it looks good and they're not happy. Their health is suffering. They're on pills. Their wife, they haven't seen their family and kids. They missed their daughter's ballet recital, their son's soccer game for the last five years. Um, when they're on a vacation, they're texting constantly. They, you know, they're not really on a vacation. I mean, I, it, they're not happy. Right. I've heard this. Do you see a movement with that changing? Uh, this was one of the things I was, was thinking about touching mm -hmm. on earlier. Yes, like, I do. You, you've seen, uh, like, your, your book there was explaining the, the fall of the Berlin Wall and... Mm -hmm. and Basically, you, you've seen trends and, and everything happen in society along the way. What do you kind of envision or, or pro project with, with basically I'm, life? I'm basically hopeful and 
frequently optimistic. <laughs> and the signs, the opposite of that are everywhere. Yes. But, and and so I stopped, you know, I used to own some TV stations, network television stations. I stopped mainstream news 20 years ago. Yeah. Why? It, it's all negative. And, mm. and, it's, and it's, a lot of it's lies. I, and I can demonstrate oh. that. I can show it. It's just not true. And where you look is where you go. And if that's what's in front of me all the time, oh, it's, it's, it's hopeless. But if, if I look somewhere else, and, and I, you, know, you can't avoid it. I'm aware of what's going on in the world. I just find the information in different. No, I don't, I, I don't want to watch those or read the main papers and stuff. Why? They're, it's it's yeah. not where I want to go. <laughs> and, and so anyway, there is, that's, not, that's not everything out there. So, for example, um, do I see reason to be hopeful? Absolutely. W one of the things we do, um, and I first learned this at LifeStream back in the 70s, and then I adapted it for my business clients and modified it. But did you ever see, have you ever heard, of, have you ever seen the movie uh, A Beautiful Mind? Yes. Okay. Yeah, great movie. So Russell Crowe, and it was about, a, I think, Princeton professor who had this genius mathematical proof. Yes. And what, what wasn't said in the movie, but that proof was... Um, it became it became something called prisoner's dilemma. You ever heard of prisoner's dilemma? They teach it in psychology classes. Roughly, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that uh, professor, whatever his name was, it was a mathematical proof that weak humans can create a higher and better measured result by cooperating than competing. Well, that's that's contrary to what I was taught in business school <laughs> in, you know, in, a, in the United States where competition is worshipped like yes you know, and the value now it's not to say no competition and there's a healthy competition and there's ways to use it but there's also a really healthy way to to use cooperation to get more of what we want Definitely. so there's a game that was developed with that and it, it and it demonstrates powerfully that the way you get the higher result is cooperating. Okay. Nice. So, now this has to lead into some of the experiential uh, programs that you, that you run as well. And uh, oh, absolutely, I do this with all my business clients. Right. And it's a wake up. And mm. and and anyway, there's a way. You see, we set up a game, and there's a way to win the game. And almost never. For the first 30 years I was doing this, in fact, never did I see anybody win the game. Never. And by the way that winning is defined and set up. Yes. And what I started seeing maybe 15 years ago was, and people would approach the game very competitively. I don't want to go into the whole deal of it. Mm -hmm. But somewhere 15, maybe 20 years ago, I don't know, occasionally I would see them, somebody interject into the conversation something about cooperating maybe we can work with that other team in a different way uh, but nothing would be done with it they'd still compete you know try to beat <laughs> the other team and then and then the first time i saw uh, a win-win solution this is how win-win entered the lexicon you know win-win was unheard of 40 years ago it's crazy <laughs> uh, you know no it's competitive and and the zero sum game. If I don't get mine, you know, they get it, I get less. Right. The first time I saw a, the game won, 
was in Russia, in Omsk, Siberia, 19, early 90s, 91 maybe. Communism's falling. Um, there were 178 people in the, in the room. Uh, five of them were Russian generals. Uh, you know, the evil empire, our enemy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and they played the game win-win. And it was amazing. Oh. I mean, a longer story, but so. That is an absolute amazing story. And then story. I saw it in France twice. I was working with a, a, an engineering school called Arts at Medier, by reputation, the top engineering school in Europe, but very mental. I mean, these are engineers, you know, they're, I mean, <laughs> the, the students in there went, last time I worked there, were building a helicopter from scratch, design your own helicopter, build it and fly it, you know. I mean, these are really yeah. smart people, <laughs> very mental. They figured out when, when they did it. Yeah. So nice. I'm seeing this over my, the length of time I've been doing this work. That's, a, you know, it's, that's reason for hope. I, I, the fact that, and, and you know, I, there's I, uh, expressions have entered the, like in the business world where I'm working, like, like win-win. Um, yes. Now yep. they're talking about mindfulness. Mindfulness uh, is a teeny part of the, the, the mental, the, veg, the, the meditation stuff we do. It's a part, small part of it, but it's entered. It's in there now. Um, you know, there's a number, out, think outside the box. They don't know where that expression came from. I do. And so I use that. I, I let them go back to, to read, experience the discovery of that, what it means. And once they do that, now they start applying it. It's not just a phrase. You know, I mean, they're, they're all saying now, we've got to think outside the box, but they're not doing it. So is this a focus of your new book? And when will that be out? I don't know. <laughs> I started the book 10 years ago. I'm pretty much done with it, but it needs major energy because I realized it's more for my family. Uh, Probably when I'm gone, they'll, it'll show them a lot about me in the process. I think it's good. I think there's some really good stuff in there in terms of its commercial, uh, you know, presentation right now i'm not sure it uh, does not need to be commercial and I, I think that is an amazing endeavor i've i've attempted to write a few times and have fallen short on it and uh i keep going back to and uh, kind of the techniques you've mentioned in in this show is how to get myself into that flow where i can actually write and make something meaningful so mm -hmm. i appreciate your time and uh and explaining all of these extremely important lessons and things that that people can take away to to improve their lives uh, yeah. Yeah. if there's if someone's interested in getting in touch with you how would they do that um probably the, the best way would be email okay my, my website was just a, i mean it's got a lot of stuff on it but um it used flash and they just stopped supporting flash, which is motion. On, you know. Yeah. So, and I haven't changed it cause I haven't needed to. So that's probably not the best thing is probably email um, T Tillman at 227 company.com T T I L L M A N at 227 numbers company.com. Cause I, I email I'm on every, you know, I see that texting some there's, how do we keep up with it? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's message, messenger, WhatsApp, Telegram, Signal, 
<laughs> you know, nice. yeah, based, I definitely I mean, hear you on that. It's like, <laughs> but I always right. see my email. So, David, well, we I, will post that for you. And for once again, everyone listening, thanks for tuning into the Hardy Brain, the show that takes athletic, introverted entrepreneurs and leaders and turns them into ironclad brain for performers. Thanks a lot, Terry. We appreciate your time and wisdom here. Bye for now.